He was a classic overachiever. You might know the type. The type of person who would always sit in the front row of the classroom, always raising his hand with every question the teacher ever asked, always trying to get the A, a type A personality. Do you know anybody like this? You live in a town full of them. Are any of you married to a person like this? Nancy, don't answer that question. I'm talking about Peter, the disciple. Always enthusiastic. Peter was the kind of guy who maybe thought of himself as disciple number one. He's the kind of guy who maybe when the disciples rolled into your village, Peter would be walking out first, shaking hands and greeting everybody. Hi, I'm Peter. Maybe you've heard of me. I'm, I'm with Jesus now. That's right. <laughs> and don't tell the other 11, but I love him the most. You get this idea about Peter when you encounter him in the Gospels, disciple number one. And we're going to look at Peter's story today as it corresponds with the story of Jesus dying and rising again because Peter, alongside that greater story, Peter goes through a journey of his own, a journey of total transformation. And Jesus teaches Peter and us exactly what it takes to be number one in the kingdom of God. I want to tell you a little bit more about Peter, just so you get the full picture of his journey, that we might be able to see maybe a little bit of our own story in his. We first encounter Peter early in the Gospels. He's a fisherman, and he's out fishing one day with his co-workers, and Jesus walks along the beach, and he calls out to the fishermen, and he says to them, follow me. And then he says, I will make you fishers of men. Peter, enthusiastic from the start, dropped his nets immediately and followed Jesus. It's possible Peter was enthusiastic because becoming a disciple of a rabbi like Jesus was a, a good prospect for a fisherman. Fishermen were pretty low down on the socioeconomic ladder, not as low as shepherds, Shepherds were really low. Nobody wanted the job of a shepherd. We have a nostalgic view of shepherds now, but back then they were really at the bottom of the totem pole. And fishermen weren't much higher. So when Jesus came along and said, follow me, Peter enthusiastically dropped his nets and he became a fisher of men with Jesus. It's the very same person, Peter, who a little bit later in the story is with Jesus and the disciples. And Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And a couple of the disciples give, let's be honest, the wrong answer. And Peter says, ooh, 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 I know, I know. And Peter says, you're the Messiah, son of the living God. And he's affirmed in that moment. That's Peter, disciple number one. And I think it's possible that in John chapter 20, which Carol just read for us, the morning of the resurrection, John chapter 20 was written by John, and he mentions it not once, but twice, that he got to the tomb first. I love this. I picture John and Peter giggling to this day in heaven. John saying, hey, disciple number one, who got there first? Remember? It was me, not you. And then we see also in chapter 21, classic Peter, leaping from the boat to Jesus. That's Peter. The night of Jesus' arrest when they're in the garden, it's Peter, not any of the other disciples, 
who leaps out from among the other disciples. And you know what he does? He chops off the ear of a Roman soldier arresting Jesus. Classic Peter, disciple number one. Which makes later that night, the night of Jesus' humiliation, all the more striking. Peter, who loved associating himself with Jesus for three years straight, suddenly when Jesus is arrested and things aren't looking good for Jesus at all, things aren't looking good for anybody associated with Jesus, when it really mattered most, Peter is asked, it says it's a cool night, and he finds himself warming himself around a charcoal fire outside of the place where Jesus is being tried. And somebody walks up to Peter, and they say something along the lines of, hey, aren't you that guy with Jesus? And Peter, when it mattered most, said, no, not me. A second time, a little girl comes up to him, and she says, aren't you with Jesus? And in that moment, when it would have gone very badly for him to say yes, Peter said no. And a third time, fascinatingly, it says a servant who was a relative of the soldier who got his ear cut off comes up to, she knows exactly who Peter is. You're the guy who cut off my uncle's ear, aren't you? And a third time, Peter said, not me. I'm not with him. See, unfortunately, that moment around the charcoal fire revealed that this disciple, number one, really only looked out for number one when it mattered most. And if we're honest, if we're really honest, we will see a little bit of Peter in all of us, that self-protective instinct that when the Titanic is sinking beneath our feet, there's an impulse in us, there's an instinct in us that says, I got to get on that lifeboat before all these other people. Self-protection. Self-advancement. Self-promotion. It's the very core of what sin does to us. It makes us selfish at our core. That's what happened to Peter around that charcoal fire. Now, Jesus was not unaware of what Peter was doing out there by that charcoal fire. And God is not unaware of our sinfulness either. So how does God respond when he sees us in our selfishness? How did Jesus respond to Peter? Imagine this with me for a moment. It's after the death and after the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus could have walked out of that tomb and walked around Jerusalem saying, all right, who betrayed me? Who denied me? Who nailed me to the cross? I've got a list and I'm checking it twice. I know who's been naughty and who's been nice. Payback time. What does Jesus do instead? Look at verse 12, if you still have your Bible open, of John chapter 21. He goes and he finds Peter, the one who denied him when it mattered most. And he says, come and have breakfast. Come and have breakfast with me, 
Peter. For the last six weeks here at Standwich, we've had a sermon series we've entitled Meals with Jesus. And each week we've been surprised at who Jesus invites to his table and what he does there. We've seen over and over again that Jesus is in the business of restoring relationships. And he does it here yet again after his resurrection when he could have applied vengeance on all those who wronged him, including Peter, the one who was so close to him. Instead, he comes and he says, let's have a meal together. Let's restore this relationship. And it says in verse 9 that Jesus has this meal. He's cooking this fish over a charcoal fire. Come on, Peter, let's go back and revisit the scene of the crime, as it were. Maybe when Peter saw the charcoal fire, his first thought was, well, this is awkward. What does Jesus say to him there? Let's look, because what Jesus says to Peter, the Holy Spirit can say to all of us this morning. He would show Peter and us what it looks like to be number one in the kingdom of God. Verse 15 says this, After they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What's Jesus saying there? I think he's saying, hey, Peter, you want to be disciple number one again? Do you want to love me more than these? Let me show you now, now that I have died for you, now that I have taken the consequences of your sin, your betrayal, your denial, your self-promotion, you're looking out for number one, I've taken all that to the cross and I've left all the consequences of that in the tomb and I have risen again to a new life. Now let's talk, Peter. Now let's talk, people, about what it's like to be number one in God's kingdom. And he asks him a question. Do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. Interesting. Jesus' first invitation to Peter was to become a fisher of men. He used a metaphor like a fisherman, and that looked pretty good to Peter at the time. But do you remember what I said a moment ago that being a shepherd was even lower down the socioeconomic ladder? So Jesus is showing Peter exactly how to climb the ladder in the kingdom. You go, Down it. Feed my lambs. Become a shepherd. Stop self-promoting and start serving. The first shall be last. And the last shall be first. Peter, do you love me? Continuing then in verse 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep, become a shepherd now. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Three times, the same number of times that Peter had stood around a charcoal fire and denied that he even knew Jesus. Three times Jesus comes and restores that relationship. He restores what Peter had broken. And Jesus is taking him into deeper and deeper discipleship and deeper and deeper love. 
he brought him to that charcoal fire, not to rub his nose in it. When I was a kid, I had this neighbor, this man, who one day came home with a dog, a puppy. And I remember I would visit him, we would play in his yard, and I remember every time the dog had an accident, my neighbor would take the dog's nose and stick it in the accident and yell at him, don't do that, and he would whap him with a rolled up newspaper. Now I know that's a really vivid image to put in your mind on a beautiful Easter Sunday morning. (laughs) But the reason I mention it is because a lot of us have a view of God that way. We think God when he sees our sins, when he finds out what we've done, that he'll he'll just rub our face in it and punish us for it. But that is not our God. Jesus brought Peter back to this charcoal fire, not to rub his nose in it, but to show what he had done to forgive him. Jesus knew that Peter was only looking out for himself, disciple number one only looked out for number one, and he restores Peter back to true discipleship, to real love in his kingdom, which no longer needs to self-promote or self-protect. Because of what Jesus died, do you realize that if Jesus died and then conquered death, guess what? He's number one. Because he conquered death. I don't have to be number one anymore. I was once sitting with a therapist and we were exploring, you know, the, basically what makes me tick. You, you've been in that couch. If you haven't, go there soon. <laughs> and I was confessing, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a perfectionist. I like to achieve. I'm a people pleaser too. I like to make sure everybody knows my successes. This is just kind of some of the things that make me tick. And he looked at me. And he said, aren't you exhausted? (laughs) It's exhausting trying to be number one. Peter learned it. I'm learning it. Isn't it exhausting trying to always look good on Instagram or in the grocery store aisle or in the carpool line or among your friends? Guess what? If it's true that Jesus died and rose again, you don't have to be number one anymore. We can die to ourselves, our selfish ambition, and start living for him. Verse 18, Jesus starts talking about that. After he's presented Peter with this restoration of relationship, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? Suddenly in verse 18, Jesus starts talking about something seemingly out of the blue. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you are old... You will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. What's going on here? Jesus is showing Peter and the Holy Spirit is showing us this morning that we don't have to live for ourselves anymore. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we too, if our sins and the consequences of our sins went with Jesus to the cross and into the tomb, guess what? That's where they stayed. And there's a part of us that can die with him, that part of us that always has to make ourselves number one. 
Jesus is describing the way Peter would die. You will stretch out your hands. People will dress you and they'll lead you to a place you don't want to go. It's only a few days after that very same thing had happened to Jesus. Think about it. His arms were stretched out. People dressed him. They put him in a purple robe to mock him. And then when he had died on the cross, they took his body and they carried it where he did not want to go, to the tomb. And Jesus, in restoring the relationship with Peter and the Holy Spirit, saying to us today, do the same to that part of you that always needs to be number one. Let it die. Aren't you exhausted? Take that part of you into the tomb and leave it there and walk out with a new life. That's what it says in Romans chapter 6. Can you put that up there, Matt? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. See that? We were buried. That part of us that always self-advances, that always has to be number one. That's us. Enter into the tomb with that part of you. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Can you imagine your life if you didn't have to self-protect and self-promote anymore? If you didn't have to be number one? That's the new life Jesus has afforded for us by dying in our place and rising again. Just picture your life for a moment without needing to impress anybody. When we make Jesus number one and we die to ourselves, we can live in freedom. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. All shame is gone. He's not rubbing our noses in our sin. All fear is gone. All shame is gone. All self-protection and self-advancement is gone. Now I can truly live. I have a new life because I've let that part of me die with him, that flesh part of me, and now I can live by the Spirit. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Because he lives, we can now truly live. Does anybody want that kind of life? He is risen. 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 Amen.